You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open our Bibles together this morning. We turn for our scripture reading to Daniel chapter 7, the first 10 verses. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then we turn to page 1936, Revelation chapter 20, the verses 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake fire. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, in many respects, this is a very scary passage. 
If there are two things that have the ability to cause us huge nightmares, it is the place called hell and it is the event called judgment. And indeed, it is hard to come up with two things that are more terrifying than this. Yes, and both are found in our text. Three times the expression, the lake of fire, is found there in the verses 14 and 15. And what is the lake of fire but another term for hell? And as well, there is the verb judged in verse 13, as in each person was judged. So hell is here, and judgment is also here. But there is more, for there is a third terrifying thing in our text, and it has to do with books. Five times they are mentioned, four times in verse 12, one time in verse 15. And you might ask, what's so scary about these books? Well, it has to do what's in them. And what is in them? Well, in them is your life and my life. In them are all our words, thoughts, and deeds. Yes, all. These are uncensored books. In them is the good and the bad, the nice and the ugly, the open stuff and the hidden stuff. In other words, all of your fine laundry is there, but also all of your dirty laundry is there, too. Now, doesn't that make you nervous? Is that not a recipe for heartburn? So what shall we do? Shall we cut these verses out of the Bible, get out the magic eraser, pretend to be deaf, No, beloved, this morning as we continue our series on the book of Revelation, we're going to tackle these verses head on. We'll take a bit of a confrontational approach. And I preached to you on the theme, the books are opened. Well, first of all, let's put things into context for a moment. You will recall that in our series of sermons on this last book of the Bible, we have been dealing lately with... You may have noticed a lot of throwing, not in the sense of baseball or football, but in another sense. If you go back to chapter 19 and read verse 20, who is thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur? We're told it's the beast and the false prophet. You go back to chapter 20, the first part, who else is thrown into the same lake of burning sulfur? It's the devil, also called Satan, the dragon, or that ancient serpent. You see, one by one, the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people are being dealt with. And they're being dealt with decisively and now eternally. Their time is up. Their game is over. But now our text tells us that it's not over just for the beast and the false prophet and the devil. No, our text adds that it's also over for death and Hades. In other words, death, that enemy that entered the world in the days of Adam and Eve, 
has come to the end of its days as well. It too is, it says, tossed into the lake of fire. And the same goes for Hades, or what is often called the realm of the dead, for that's the place where dead people go. It too gets the heave-ho. And when you think of it, is that not great news? Is that not splendid news? You see, all of our greatest, most fearsome, loathsome enemies are being dealt with at last. They're all being dispatched. They're all going to the place of no return. They're all being thrown away forever. Great. Fantastic. Hallelujah. But that's not all. For someone else is also thrown into the lake of fire. Read verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he or she was thrown into the lake of fire. So you need to ask, who else is in the lake, in this special lake, besides the beast, the false prophet, death and Hades and the devil? Well, Revelation says, all whose names are not in the book of life. If you're not in this book, you're in Lake Non-Wannabe. You're in the most terrible of places. Now, that makes us nervous, right? This is the stuff of nightmares. And this causes, surely, each and every one of us to ask ourselves, am I really in the book of life? And how can I know that? How is it possible for me to know that? Is it even possible? Well, yes, it is. You can know this. And how? Well, go back to verse 11. There John writes, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Note, John is speaking there of a throne. And indeed, John has spoken often of a throne. You can find it mentioned in chapter 4, 7, 8, 11, 16, 19, and also here in 20. And in some ways, you can say that here in this 20th chapter, we have the ultimate, the seventh throne seat. But notice, we have not just a throne, but we have someone on it. This is not an empty throne. No, there's someone great upon it. And how do we know? Well, because verse 12 says, Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. In other words, all of the evil of the world and in the sky flees before him. It cannot stand in his presence. And finally, note as well that this is a great white throne. Meaning this is a holy throne, a pure throne, a righteous throne. Why, in the end, there is only one who can and who does sit on it. And that is the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
In keeping with chapter 7, this is, beloved, the throne of the Lamb of God. It's the throne of King Jesus. Yes, but it's also the throne of the judge. Who is the one coming to judge the living and the dead? None other than our Savior and our Lord. And John, as he looks into the future, he sees Jesus judging. He sees him judging everything and everyone. He says that he saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. In other words, we're all there. Not one is missing. We're all there. We're all slated for judgment. Now, I know that some Christians say that this doesn't apply to believers. Believers, they say, are exempt from judgment. You won't have to stand before the throne because you'll be on the throne with Jesus or beside him or near him. Don't worry. Now, I like that theology. The only problem is it's not true. For look closely at the books mentioned here. In verse 12, it says the books were opened. And it also says another book was opened and it's called the book of life. And there was also added the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So what is this? This is Revelation's way of telling us that our life is like a book. Indeed, every one of our lives is like a book. God has a book on each of us. In that connection, Psalm 139 comes to mind, that part about all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Truly, each of our lives represents a book. And in that book, you will find everything about us, date of birth, baptism, profession of faith, marriage, children, jobs, anniversaries, places, pastimes, weddings, celebrations. It's all there, big and small. But yet something else is there as well, namely what we have done. How we have lived or not lived. How we have acted or not acted. How we have behaved or not behaved. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all there. Now, isn't that just about the worst news imaginable? To be judged on the basis of what you have done is an awful standard for who of us can say, I've done enough. I've done good. I've done perfect. I know there are lots of people who think that they're going to heaven because of all the good they claim that they have done in this life. They're convinced that their good works will save them. 
But what they fail to realize is that all of their good works are corrupt and defiled with sin. Indeed, the fact of the matter is, beloved, that the entire human race is under condemnation. No one is righteous. No, not one. Read Romans 3. Read Psalm 14. We should all be thrown into the lake of fire. And we would be. We surely would be. Were it not for one thing. And what thing? That other book. Did you miss it? There are many books here, but there is also that one particular book. It's called the book of life. And it's the book of life of the Lamb. You see, we all have a book. But thankfully, Jesus Christ also has a book. And what is in his book, it are the names of all of those who have believed in him. Who have not worshipped the beast or his image. Who do not have his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. In that particular book of Christ, there are all the names of all those who have been invited to the marriage supper. Of the Lamb of God. Do you believe in the Lamb? Do you trust the Lamb of God? Do you love Him? Do you serve Him? Do you seek to live for Him and to His praise every day? Are you eating this bread today and drinking this wine today in true faith? Is it your heartfelt Desire to serve him according to his word, to forsake the world, and to crucify your old nature. If that's the case, you need not fear. For then you are not headed to the lake of fire with its eternal death. For then you may know that the Lamb of God takes his perfectly holy book and he uses it to cover your sin-stained book. He covers it all. He blots out all of your sins. By faith and through faith in him. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. And there is no better book than that. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.com dot org.